a very warm welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast with your host, Paul Lowe. Paul offers wisdom, insights and tips for living a healthy, meaningful, purposeful life. On the back of overcoming extreme adversity, Paul has a proven track record of achieving life-enhancing results. He offers empowering advice and guidance to help people develop a mindset for success so that they can live with more happiness and prosperity. Through his Mastering the Game of Life podcast and books, Paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world, as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organisations in their development, fundraising and projects. Hello listeners and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. Today I'm joined by a lady that's been with us on more than one occasion previously, uh, a lady by the name of Kelly Brandley. Kelly, a very warm welcome to you again. Thanks so much, Paul. It's always a pleasure to be back with you. And I suppose I better do the, um, the rudimentaries of introducing your title as a dating and relationship coach and executive matchmaker. That's correct. I've been uh, dedicating my life for the last few years to helping men and women around the globe find love. Mm. Time, love and money, one of the important trios. And that word important doesn't even really scratch the surface, does it, when we talk about love or time or money? Or well, one of those for me is actually a misnomer of the time. Um, because as the old saying goes, Kelly, it stands still for no man or woman. <laughs> Absolutely right, Paul. Anyway, let's uh, let's get straight to the heart of the matter. Um, on a previous episode, Kelly, we did a the first of a, a mini series of ten, didn't we? Uh, the the ten disciplines of love, and we spoke around the discipline of unconditional love and compassion. So, on this second one, Kelly, uh, what is it you want to give us the insights around and share? So today we're going to talk about discipline number two, which is the discipline of positive intent. And I thought maybe to start this one off, I'd just sort of put out there the sort of six elements that fall under this discipline, and then we can go into talking about each one of those points. Okay, great. So the first one is about positive intent is to work to eliminate threats and judgment Um, The second one is to understand, recognize, and meet your partner's basic needs. And we've talked about this before, the six um, basic human needs. Then it's to learn to decide that you know your partner's soul and that their intent is pure. It's the discipline of taking responsibility and learning to say, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry comes in the form of, I am sorry that I did whatever that is and not in the form of, I'm sorry that you feel something, Uh, learning not to blame your partner, and then learning that the discipline of positive intent comes from a choice or making a decision and sticking by that decision. So those are the six elements that fall under that, and I'm happy to start wherever you feel inspired to kick off, Paul. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know, I'm I'm going to make a statement now, which has absolutely got nothing to do with what you just said. I'm going to make it anyway. Do you know in the old days, what's the old days? You know, if you went to the shop to buy a tin of green paint, you had dark green and light green, and that was it. (laughs) 
in today's society, we have so many choices. Um, I don't know why that coming to my head. Anyway, don't go down and talk, Kelly. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, Kelly, let's start on something that I know is very close to our hearts because of the, uh, the studying that we've done and the experiential learning that we've taken from it. Let's start with the, the six human needs. Sounds like a great place to start. And that's one of the key foundational elements of this discipline is to understand where your partner's coming from when they do something that may unintentionally hurt you. And this discipline of positive intent is learning to recognize that your partner's primary motivation in a lot of situations is to meet one of their six basic human needs. And sometimes as collateral damage, while they're meeting their need, you may unintentionally get hurt. Mm. So what does that actually look like? And um, just to sort of recap on the six basic human needs for those who might not be familiar with it, we have every human being has six needs, which they're always trying to meet, um, and, but they're different priorities at different points in your life. And so the six human needs in no order are the need for certainty, the need for uncertainty, um, the need for significance, love and connection. And then we've got two higher order needs, which are the needs for growth and the need for contribution to do something beyond yourself. And so what often happens in relationships is that when we're trying to meet our own needs for one of these things that we may say or do something which hurts our partner. And um, I can give actually a really great example. I was working with a couple last week and this came up really clearly. So um, for the sake of this, I'll call them Elizabeth and Roger. And they are the classic power couple. So Elizabeth actually has a doctorate degree and works in research. And Roger has a master's degree in business and he works in the finance industry. And they came to me because they are constantly fighting about his family. And every time he wants to arrange to spend time with his family, Elizabeth gets really upset and they end up in huge arguments and he ends up going alone and she stays home. And so we decided to look at this. And one of the things that I learned is that Roger comes from quite a traditional family. So both his mother and sister are stay-at-home moms looking after the kids in the family. And the men in the family have all come from manual labor jobs. And when we explored this, what I learned is that Elizabeth's number one need is actually growth. And she defined growth as being um, learning something new, having a new experience, or overcoming a challenge. And so what she was telling herself is every time she was supposed to spend time with Roger's family is that this was not meeting her need for growth and she saw it as a complete waste of time. Well, of course, from Roger's perspective, he thought she was being arrogant and rude and wasn't open to spending time with his family. And when we explored this a bit, what we did was we reframed this and to sort of rewrite Elizabeth's rules for growth. And she started to understand that actually spending time with different types of people, so people that don't have doctorate degrees or don't have, you know, this experience in a research function, that she will learn new things. And she's learning how to improve her interpersonal skills. And 
So when we talked about this, she could start to see that actually she would be able to meet this need for growth in a new way. And she wouldn't have to keep hurting her partner every time he asked her to join, you know, his family for a Sunday dinner or something. So this is how our human needs can really impact how we behave. But when Roger started to learn that she wasn't doing this to hurt him, but she was actually doing it to meet her need for growth, he relaxed a lot and it started to become much more fun between the two of them of how they were discussing these interactions between her and his family. Mm, very simple, but very powerful share there, Kelly. Thank you for that. Very powerful. I think we can learn a lot just by looking at the practical implications of how these six human needs play out in our day-to-day interactions. Yeah, and I think I've shared this, Kelly, on um, more than one occasion, certainly generally. I don't know if we with you specifically on uh, one of our uh, many podcast episodes now, um, but people often say to me as a coach, as a mentor, you know, you, you've probably got all these different strategies and tactics and insights and this and that and the other. Just give me one, Paul, or maximum two things to go away and research that will put me, you know, in a better place. And always first in my answer to that, Kelly, and as we know, I mean, nothing stands in isolation, but always first off my lips is that um, the six human needs always Definitely. I use the six human needs multiple times a day with clients that I'm coaching. And for me, it is one of the most fundamental uh, theories for understanding. And it has a tremendous potential for changing the way you interact, not only in, in intimate relationships, but in every aspect at work, you know, with your children. And it gives such a different perspective to the way you experience other people and the other thing just to bring our listeners in um listeners you've heard me say this many times before as well on this in terms of the second thing is that b word beliefs and kelly mentioned the word there rules i think it's fair to say that rules and beliefs go very very much hand in glove they're they're caught in each other to use that relationship term kelly yes yes um I think we're definitely on the same page there. It's beliefs. Uh, I talk a lot about core beliefs. And uh, those are the beliefs we come out of childhood believing that stick with us uh, through most of our adult life. And depending on what core beliefs you have, um, you can interpret a situation completely differently. So let me think of a quick example here. I mean, if you come out of um, childhood believing that let's say relationships are safe, um, when your partner does something that hurts you, you're less likely to overreact in that situation and may just write it off as you know one incident. Whereas if you came out of childhood believing that relationships aren't safe and people are out to hurt you, the first time that your partner does something that you're not happy with, it could be Um, the end of that relationship for that person because they say, oh, I know what's going to happen in the future. I'm not going to do this and I'm out of here. And so our core beliefs or our beliefs in general uh, certainly influence from what perspective we see every situation. Mm. So uh, anything else to add, Kelly, on the the six human needs? 
I think uh, that's a a good sort of recap of that. There's definitely lots of uh, other podcasts. I know we did one where we went into it in quite a lot of detail if listeners are interested in in checking back on uh, that episode in particular. There's one that's jumping out at me, Kelly, and it's saying, come on, Paul, you know you want to pick me, pick me, pick me. It's a bit like, you know, the kids when they're waiting to be picked for the uh, the school football team yes. or the netball team. So, yeah, please, sir, please, miss, pick me. And the one, but I'm, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna save, <laughs> save the best. The suspense. Last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the master of suspense. Just call me Alfred Hitchcock. Um, okay, um, let's pick another one then, Kelly. Don't blame. Don't blame. Yeah, we talked about this actually in an episode we did a couple weeks ago which is learning not to blame your partner. And I gave an example of something from my own personal life, which was learning to blame an invisible third person. And part of the underlying concept of not blaming is that when you blame the other person, of course, it's in, you're criticizing them and they go immediately into defense. And when someone's in a defensive mode, they're no longer open to listening and they're no longer open to understanding. So blaming is very much to your, or not blaming is to your advantage because it keeps your partner open um, to having a discussion with you. Whereas the minute you go into blame, you've closed them down. And so I gave this little technique where is to say, when something happens, you can actually create a fictitious third person, or it could even be you know, um, a situation that you then transfer the blame there instead of onto your partner, which allows you to continue the discussion. That's when we spoke about the love box, isn't it? To kind of exactly. Similar, similar yep. kind of principle. Um, just listening to you speak um, there about, around that brought, to, brought back to my mind what I call the three C's of criticism, comparison, and complaint, and the slippery road and the negative dark road that that can very quickly take us down. Mm-hmm. Definitely right. It also reminds me there's a, a concept that Tony Robbins teaches about, I think he calls it conscious blaming, where he says, uh, you know, we tend to blame about the things people do wrong, but we mm-hmm. rarely ever blame them for all the things that they do right. And I love this concept. And he used it in the context of our parents, you know, and we always say, oh, if my parents hadn't done this or that, I'd be a different person. But I always encourage my clients to blame them for all the things that they did right and made them the amazing human beings that they've become. And when you start to consciously look at both the positives in relationship to the negatives, you, you usually find that the positives tremendously outweigh the negatives that we tend to blame people for. Yes, I suppose the the caveat on that, Kelly, is is if we've got our sunglasses on. And what I mean by that metaphor is, I think it's fair to say, and I'll take responsibility for my own journey, my own learning, but for decades, I walked around with metaphoric dark glasses on. And so the world looked very dark. Mm. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. It was you, Kelly, it was your fault. And your sister and your cat and next door's neighbour or anybody else that I could latch on to because it was mm-hmm. never my fault, because this is what I'm seeing. Until the very simple, this is, I think this is a brilliantly powerful metaphor as well. Do you know what, Paul? Just take the glasses off there. <laughs> it is very powerful. Yep. 
you know, um, but we do, don't I mean, I suppose that's conditioning, Kelly, of, you know, is, of, of us as human beings, but it's about having this awareness, isn't it? And that is exactly what these kind of podcast conversations are about, to raise that awareness, change those beliefs, and, and create space for something beautiful. I love this C word, creativity. Mm-hmm. But you just highlighted exactly the point of, of what we're talking about you had a certain set of beliefs that led you to see the world in that. And you weren't coming from a point that the people that you were in relationship or interacting with or coming into contact were doing it from a point of positive intent. Mm, Yeah. Great case in point. Yeah. So, you know, and that changes it. And I mean, I remember this has burned into my memory as sort of one of those turning points in life. Um, I was at the gas station one day and I'd, I think it was shortly before I finished my first coaching um, program. And so I'd done a lot of work and learned a lot of techniques. And one of the things that used to get me was when somebody would get upset with me, even if I didn't know them, I took it so personally. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this day. I was at the gas station and I went to pay for my gas. And the guy who took my card got upset with me because I was standing in the wrong lineup and he wanted to use the other cash register and he started to just get snippy with me to the point where he was raising his voice and I felt like he was attacking me but the moment of that was the realization that something had gone on in his life either that morning or before I got there that had nothing to do with me and he was just taking it out on me because he needed in that moment probably some significance he needed to vent whatever it was and I remember feeling so at peace knowing that I could handle those situations in the future without it ruining the rest of my day and thinking, why was that guy so upset with me? And what did I do wrong? And it completely changed. You know, he had a need he was trying to meet and his intent was only to meet that need and had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so true for, for all of us. That, that, just listening to you speak there brought back an incident from many years ago. There was a uh, a Tesco, uh, one of the major supermarkets in, uh, in my hometown in the UK there. And uh, I did a similar thing with one of the ladies on the checkout. And I walked outside and I felt so disgusted with myself for, you know, making, a, I suppose, my emotional punch bag for, for something that had gone off earlier, which is absolutely nothing to do with this stranger at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I felt so strongly. I went up to, what I did was I bought some flowers and I went up to the counter and I pushed in because there was a queue. And I said, I owe you the biggest apology. Please forgive me. That behavior was totally unacceptable. It wasn't about you. Um, but that, that doesn't excuse it at all. And, and you know, luckily, uh, Kelly, she was gracious enough to say, Do you know what? Yeah, I understand as well. So, but these things happen, don't they? And, and I suppose, yeah, again, Kelly, unless we've got the awareness to know dare I say, about the bigger picture. It's like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel angry? And it's like, you know, and, and don't cut me up or whoever comes across my path next is, you know, I'm going to let them have it. Um, mm-hmm. It's a question of awareness, isn't it? It's awareness and it's also about being kind to ourselves. And, you know, we're all human and we're all trying to meet our our basic needs. And I think we can, yeah, be too judgmental of ourselves for when we have a slip up. Um, and what you did there brings us to the other point, which is really important, is taking responsibility 
And we all make mistakes and that's part of being human. But to go in and to apologize is so important, you know? So um, in your instance, it was a stranger. In many instances, the people we are the hardest on are the people closest to us. And to learn to say, I'm sorry, and to say, I'm sorry in the right way. And so many people have grown up with this feeling or, or I don't know how it, it comes about, but a sorry is, I'm sorry that you feel something and not taking responsibility for the fact that you may have caused that pain or hurt or whatever it is. Mm. And in relationship, it is absolutely critical to take that responsibility when you allow your frustration to come out on somebody else. So take us on to another one then, Keller. We're getting through these quite nicely now. I feel as if I want to sort of, and this is the this is the impatient inner child in me. I want to get to this end one, but it's like, oh, just behave. Just the sweet oh, okay. shots around the corner. The sweet <laughs> shots around the corner, just wait. Well, why don't we talk about um, decide that you know your partner's soul and their intent is pure. Yes. As... This one is one I experienced as well. Couples will come in and they've been together for, you know, 10 or 15 years and you hear them talk about each other and you can hear this resentment and this belief that the person is constantly out to get them. And I always challenge them and say, you know, did you, you know, fall in love with this person who was mean and hurtful and did all these nasty things? And they'll often say, no, no, no. At the beginning, they weren't like that. And I challenge them to say, you know, do you really know this person? Would you have been with a person? And this, of course, excludes abuse. I mean, I think we just need to be very clear that there's abuse situations, which I'm not including in this. But when we talk about healthy individuals who are um, not abusive in any way, their intent is usually pure. And if you can get people to open their mind to remember what they were like at the beginning, um, clients will tell me all the time, well, yeah, I know that they're a good person. I know that they're not out there hurting other people. And then I ask them, you know, why do you think that they're always out to hurt you? And it's about making this decision again to know that this person is a, a good person at heart. And for whatever reason in meeting their own needs, you're inadvertently being hurt by them. Mm. So pure intent. Next one, Kelly. Um, eliminate threats and judgment. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the, the first ones. And that's um, in a healthy relationship, we want to create a feeling where you can give freely and you can receive freely. And when you bring in threats and judgment into your relationship and threats can be anything from, you know, refusing um, to do something, things like, you know, withholding sex to actually threatening to leave the relationship entirely. When you bring these things into a relationship, what you're actually doing is undermining the trust in the relationship. And I'm sure you'll agree with me that trust is such a foundation to a healthy relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so learning where you are bringing threats into a relationship and where your partner is threatening the relationship is important to have a discussion about that and to remove those from the relationship because they do nothing but uh, cause cracks in your foundation. Mm. So, by my reckoning, that's four out of the six. Am I? Uh, am I following things, Kelly? Am I on the on the button here? Um, I think we've actually done five. Oh, we've done. The, the, yeah. The one that we haven't done is the last one about uh, the discipline of positive 
positive intent comes down to the fact that it is a decision and a choice. Okay. Um, so where did the one that I'm sorry, where, where does that come in? Oh, I touched on that one <laughs> with you giving flowers. Sorry, I kind of, I came in the back door on that one. <laughs> oh, Kelly, Kelly, what have you done to me, woman? Apologies. I'm so sorry, Paul. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go in that metaphoric sweet shop. <laughs> sure. Okay. You had something important to add to that one. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. I'll, maybe on the humorous note, but um, okay, so let's do the pure intent one then. Um, um and then I'll come back to the sorry one. I think um, we've closed off pure intent. So why don't you jump right into sorry? And I'd love to hear what you would uh, add to that one. Well, it was very much around. I mean, I'm a massive, massive music lover, particularly ballads. I love ballads, um, you know, for that, uh, that combining of deep, meaningful words and what I call soft, soothing music. And one of my all-time favourites was the original cover by Elton John when uh, when he sang "Sorry" seems to be the hardest word. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, and I know Blue did a cover later on, um, but you know just those um, "What I gotta do to make you love me? What I gotta do to make you care? What do I say when it's all over?" You know, that, that's kind of etched with me because that's something that's happened to me on more than one occasion in the past. And it's like, if only I could turn, the, you know, those two words, mm-hmm. if only I could turn the clock back. What have I got to do to make you love me? And sorry seems to be the hardest word. And in those days, Kelly, I was in very, very, very strong masculine energy. And sorry was not a word that mm-hmm. uh, was on, in my vocabulary. I couldn't do it. Even if it meant the heartbreak and, you know, physically being sick and losing somebody that clearly I loved very deeply. But and I suppose it brings in these rules and these beliefs again about, yeah, but you don't, you remain strong. Mm. And, and, and strong was the word that I was actually, you know, using at the time, which, which absolute, when I look back on it, it's like, Paul, but you was anything but strong. So, you know, when we when we wrote that list down, Kelly, um, you know, when we sorry, when we went through that list and and had a look at it, it's like there's the one for me that really, I mean, obviously the six human needs are, you know, very powerful, as we've already stated. But that, I'm sorry, I think it's such a monumental one in all our lives as well. Yeah, I mean, there's so much wrapped up in the word I'm sorry. It's one, an admittance of a mistake. And for some people admitting that they make mistakes is incredibly difficult, but it's also got an element of vulnerability in there um, because it shows that, you know, you're opening yourself up, you're showing what's going on and it's an opportunity for growth and for people who are scared of vulnerability and showing those things. It makes absolute sense that the word sorry is not at the top of their vocabulary list. Absolutely. And uh, it's also a word, I mean, I come from Canada, and I don't know, people know a lot about Canadian culture, but we're known um, a lot for saying, I'm sorry, frequently. So if somebody walks into me in a a shopping center, I'm the one that will apologize and say, I'm sorry. And uh, I've had people say, but I walked into you. And 
it's just part of our culture. And one of the things that I realized is that I use sorry so quickly that it's actually lost the meaning. Mm. And that's another thing to be aware of, you know, is, is sorry a vessel that actually holds the meaning of taking responsibility for something that you've done. And then the next part of that is how do you repair that? Yeah. And, and on that one, listeners, I mean, there's a, you know, you've heard this propounded many times before the power of words, what Kelly said there was exactly around the power of the words. And if we keep throwing the same word out, I mean, I'm not talking in the context of an affirmation, but we keep, you know, it, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, it's meaning, it's power gets diluted because it's the emotion behind it and the meaning that's really important, not just this kind of throwaway word that, uh, you know, that can be used for convenience. Kelly, we've come to that time again, uh, Tempest Fugit, as the Latins would say, and two things. Firstly, how do listeners reach out and get in touch with you? What's your contact details? They can reach me via my website at kellybrandley.com. And that's spelled K-E-L-L-Y and B-R-A-N-D-L-I. And what I will do is if you go to kellybrandley.com forward slash mastering the game of life and all one word, I will post there um, an overview of all the 10 disciplines of love. So you can go there and download a copy for yourself. Super. And, um, and I mean this in the most loving, respectful way, as an old stage, you know, on the Master of the Game of Life podcast, Kelly, um, still doesn't feel comfortable um, calling a young lady an old stager, but I'll, I'll come to terms with it. I might get myself some coaching. Um, <laughs> one final question, Kelly. So in terms of the discipline of positive t- intent, in a real quick whistle-stop answer, how do we implement that? It all comes down to holding this front of mind and knowing when somebody hurts you, that you go back to this belief that they are doing it out of positive intent. They're trying to meet one of their six basic human needs and you need to give them a little bit of leeway. A few very, very simple words, but and I, I seem to say this very consistently at the end very powerful and very uh, self-serving words. Kelly, it's always a pleasure and goes without saying. Thank you immensely for your shares. And uh, we look forward to the, um, the, next, uh, the next discipline of love. Thanks so much, Paul. And so there we have it, listeners. Um, the amazing Kelly Bramley, and she is amazing. I mean, I speak to Kelly off air as well. And, uh, you know, this lady really does... You know, I'm not particularly keen on the cliche, but she really does walk the talk. Um, she's not somebody that's just got a lot of fancy theory. This lady's been through the mill. Uh, I know her personal story, and, and no doubt in the fullness of time, Kelly uh, may may share that with us. But um, yeah, I think people that have the courage to you know to bear their soul and, and to use a word that's been used two or three times in this episode, and certainly many times before to show that vulnerability for the benefit of others is, I think, is is beyond commendable. So all that remains for me to say now, listeners, is remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts. Thanks very much for listening to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode. 
If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.